as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, we also accept that as the part of sin. Did you notice that verse there that or as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood? Well, actually, we was already children before we partook of flesh and blood, according to Scripture. So he himself also likewise that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And how could the dead be raised? And listen to this part. And deliver them who through fear of death for all their lifetime are subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, Therefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself is able to save to them that are faint. Oh, what, what a high priest we have. Let me read to you also from this message of what to preach, the basic substance. Listen, when the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness to destroy man's life, that God said, whosoever looks upon the serpent and believes he will be healed of the snake bite. And the snake bite was caused because they had murmured against Moses and God and they sinned. And God made an atonement for sin. And in their sickness was an attribute of their sin. Do you see it? The snake bite that was killing the people was an attribute of the sin they had committed. Listen to that again. Now, the snake bite that was killing the people was an attribute of the sin that they had committed. I'd like to speak to you tonight on how to heal the snake bite. How to heal the snake bite. Let's pray together. Father, we so love you tonight. We thank you for your wonderful grace and mercy to us, Lord Jesus. We ask you tonight, Lord, that you would just help us. May you take charge of the service. May you speak to us tonight. As we speak your word, may your demons leave your people. Sickness, depression, home trouble, marital problems, whatever it is, may the mighty God walk in your midst tonight. Hallelujah to God. Father, we worship you. We sense you here, Lord. We thank you. Pray, dear God, that you would speak to us your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. 
me read to you again. Brother Branham says, Moses, I guess, could say, I have seen strange sights today when I saw that stick turned into a snake. Now, what was that stick? That's what we're going to speak about. What was that stick? It was an ordinary stick. It wasn't an ordinary stick, excuse me, anymore. For it was the judgment rod of Almighty God. What did it symbolize, he says? The cross. How would it symbolize the cross? Because on the natural, it was wood. But on the spiritual, it was a serpent. And how could the serpent represent Jesus? The serpent, as it was a reptile, a snake, it represented sin already judged. For Satan had sinned in the serpent in the Garden of Eden. So Satan sinned in the serpent in the Garden of Eden, which was not a reptile. He was the missing link between men and animal. He stood, walked upright, the most subtle of the beasts of all the field, not a reptile, but he was a beast of the field. When he was cursed, his legs went off of him, and on his belly he went. That showed that he had already been judged when he became a reptile. How would you heal a snake bite? Now, I'm sure that those of you that are from around this area or Tennessee or wherever you live, probably most of you have poisonous snakes, maybe different kinds of them. Probably it instills a fear in most of us. The way I look at it, any of them cause heart attacks, whether they're poison or not. I don't look to see if they got a blunt nose or a forked tongue. Let them rest in pieces. <clears throat> I see I'm not alone in that philosophy. <clears throat> but if you or one of your family members had got bit by a snake and you found out that it was poison. Of course, we, most of us, would probably have a uh, maybe a difficult time in trying to take a razor or a knife and slit across that bite and try to put our mouth where that is and suck the poison out. Most of us would probably reach for our phone and dial 911 and explain what had happened and try to find the snake and see if we could tell them what color it was, what it looked like, so they would be able to tell us what to do. But here we see God is handling this snake in a total different way. God, again, let me read this to you. Brother Branham says that Christ was sin in the serpent already judged. Now, I'm going to read some things tonight, and I know it's going to be hard on you. It's hard on me when I read it. He says, when Moses picked up that stick, and the supernatural on the stick was a serpent. Supernatural. It was a serpent in his hand. Natural, it was a stick. The cross plus 
Christ, the judgment. The cross plus Christ, the judgment. So Moses has the stick in his hand. It is natural. But when he throws it down, supernaturally, it becomes a serpent. Now watch how Brother Branham likens the rod to being the cross. But the cross alone will not save us. Amen. Many people died on the cross. None of them could save us. The cross alone, it has a great significance, a great symbolism to us. But we don't worship the cross. We worship the one who was on it. Amen. Nothing against the cross itself now, but the symbolism of the cross is not what we look to tonight. It is Him who gave His life on the cross. The cross was a natural symbol, but when you place something on the cross, it comes from a natural symbol to a supernatural symbol. Then it changes from a natural representation to a supernatural representation. Again, he says the book of Exodus is a complete book of redemption. It is redeemed means to be brought back and brought to its right position. To redeem anything, it's something that went out or it comes back to its place, its real place. So, re so redeem it is to bring it back. So we see in the book of Exodus is the first portrayal of the supernatural symbol of the cross. Now you imagine that Satan must have really wondered that day when he saw God do what he did. Look at this in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. And the Lord said unto him, speaking to Moses, What is in thy hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became. Notice now the word became. It became. So now we have a miraculous display of the power of God. So it's moving. It's coming from a piece of wood, which had been a tree at one time. A tree that he lived, and it was cut down and now hewn or shaped into a rod. It's still in Moses' hands. It's a rod. Moses cast it down, and then supernaturally something comes over the wood, and it becomes a living being or a serpent, a reptile. Now, it, it transcends beyond its own kind and its own species to come from a dead piece of wood like this piece of oak. And whenever the obedience to the prophet comes and he casts it down, the supernatural moves on the rod, and the rod is now changed to another species. Oh, my goodness. He cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses done, if this had been Donnie, it had been the same thing. And Donnie fled from before it, or Ron, or you, or whoever more. I think this is a pretty much natural reaction. So the supernatural that, that he saw, it was the human fear that was so great and it, you imagine him trying to be able to process this now in his mind as he sees this transpire. Notice now in verse 4, And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. 
And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. So the transcension of God, the supernatural power of God, is what is working the symbol of this stick that is changing it from a stick to a serpent, from a serpent back to a stick. Notice in then verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared unto thee. So the symbolism then is the identification with the prophet of God. But it doesn't just end there. Because God is beginning to unveil the mystery of God himself of what God is going to do to bring the reconciliation of man back into his presence, and that is that God will send one kind to the earth, and he will change himself by the miraculous power of God. He will condescend, and he will raise himself back from the dead and produce the anti-venom which will loose his people from their sinful nature. Notice in Exodus chapter 7, verse 8, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. Now here again we see the supernatural power of God. So it's changing from one thing which is dead to something which is becoming alive, and then something that is going to eat something else, and then it's going to move back again into another symbol. Well, I hope y'all are with me tonight. Now watch when, whenever God tells this to Moses. Moses is the one, of course, that shows it to the children of Israel. But now the miracle moves beyond Moses himself, and Aaron is going to be uh, Moses' prophet. And Moses is actually going to be God, according to what God said, right? And Aaron is going to be his prophet. So it moves from the prophet himself, and the ministry under the ministry of the prophet is also going to experience the supernatural. Miracles ain't just for Brother Branham. Well, praise the Lord. Miracles ain't just for the preacher, as a matter of fact. God wants to be miraculous in your life every day that you live. Now, notice this in verse 10. And Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod. So now here we have the miracle that is now expanded beyond the rod of Moses. So it's not the rod of Moses now that is doing this before Pharaoh, but it is actually the rod of Aaron. You understand? So it is now coming into the administration of the body itself. It is not just staying with the prophet. Now, friend, I, you know, I thank God for every miracle that was performed in the life of Brother Branham. I, I enjoy listening to him on tape, don't you? I enjoy reading about him. But what good is a God of history that could perform miracles for Brother Branham back in the 50s and the 60s? And you sitting here tonight, and maybe you need one, and you say, well, it'd be awful nice if Brother Branham was here. It would be. But let me tell you one who's greater than Brother Branham. The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is right here. And His power is here to do exactly the same. If He can get us to believe that He can do it, He is only limited by our faith. Right now, I believe the supernatural power of God is in this building in such a way that no matter what you are dealing with, what you have inside of your body, if the same God who said, let there be life, 
can anoint your face to speak to that sickness or that disease in your body. That same God can force that sickness to leave you right now. That demon that's got a hold of your child, that demon that's got a hold of your husband, if the same God who said, let there be light, can say, Satan, take your hand off of my child. Take your hand off of my husband. That devil can't hold him any longer. But you've got to believe he wants to do it for you. So Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Do we expect impersonation? Of course. Are we the only people on the earth that have healing? Absolutely not. Benny Hinn has healings. All kinds of other people have healings. But that don't change the truth. And they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Now, God allowed this to take place by enchantment to show that his power was great. Now, what was the display of demons? We know that. It was demonology, and they thought by impersonating, poor old dumb devil. I mean, sometimes I feel so sorry for him. He's stupid. He just plumbed up. He probably thought that he was really going to mess up Moses, but as a matter of fact, God was showing him what was going to happen thousands of years later when his own rod come on the earth, the rod of Jesse, and the, amen, the bright and the morning star, the Alpha and the Omega, when he was going to come upon the earth, and he was going to be cursed above all men that lived on the earth, and he was going to be hated and rejected, and he was going to bow my, he's going to tease death and say, come on, death, come on, death, yeah, come on up here, what's he going to do? He's going to swallow death, he's going to swallow sickness, he's going to swallow the grave and say, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. I wonder what Satan thought when he stood there at the court of Pharaoh. And he saw God's prophet and his manservant Aaron using a symbol that had been Satan's symbol for all these years. A serpent was Satan's symbol. Now imagine Brother Wade him scratching his head and thinking, what is God doing now? Why would God use my symbol? Notice now Numbers chapter 21 verse 5. The people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. Our soul loathes this message. Uh, I mean this slide bread. But the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, the people. And they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And notice now how God responds to healing these people of a snake bite. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent. So they're getting bitten by snakes. And the antidote is, make another snake. Make thee a fiery serpent. Now, this was a copper color, because these were the poison snakes that was there in the wilderness. So they were a copper colored, kind of a mottled with a little bit of brown. And their bite felt like fire, so they called it fiery. So they have a great temperature and a great rush, vomiting, and then it would initially kill them, eventually kill them. So God said, well, what I want you to do is I want you to take a piece of brass. And I want you to beat it out, and I want you to make a snake that is going to look very similar to the snakes they are being bitten with. But I want you to notice also in the symbolism of oneness how that God does not have Moses to make 500. Or he don't have him to make a 1,000. All he has him to make is one. So there's going to be one mediator, glory to God, there's going to be one mediator between the snake bitten and Jehovah God. Amen. But what, what you can imagine now, if you walk up to it and you get bit by this serpent and you run, you take off running as fast as you can go, and you get up there and you look up on a pole, and what do you see? Almost the same thing that bit you. That's how God kills the snake bite. So they're like, you're getting bit by a carpet, and you go looking for another, and then hold it up, and then you look at that carpet, and it heals you. Imagine Satan saying, what, 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 what? Uh, 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 uh. I love it when God pulls the wool over his eyes, don't you? Notice now, so you make the fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. Set it up on a pole or a cross. Glory! And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent singular of brass. And put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So you're out gathering wood, picking up sticks, getting water, whatever more. One bites you, you take off running, you get over there to where it's at, and you simply just look and live. But you are looking at something that is so similar to what fits you. Why? Why would God do this? The mystery of redemption is hid by what's hanging on the pole. Satan didn't understand, and Moses probably even wondered, what in the world does all this even represent? And the people thinking, how could this even help me? How could this help me? I don't understand how this helps me. I get bit by a snake, I run over there, and I look at another snake, and I'm healed. But it worked. I said it worked. Notice this, Brother Ram says in Israel in the church, the brass serpent was Jesus Christ. You say a serpent? Yes, the serpent represented sin already judged. 
And God judged the serpent in the garden of Eden. In the third chapter of Genesis, in the 14th verse, God passed judgment on it, and Christ was our sins judged. Our sins and your sins, you should have justly went to hell, but Christ took your place. The serpent. So man is poisoned by the venom. You know when you're poisoned? As soon as you're born. The most serpent fang marks are right in you. As soon as you're born. You can join church all you want to. That ain't the way you heal a snake bite. Now don't get mad at me, but you can play all the Brother Ram's tapes you want to. That still ain't the way you heal a snake bite. You've got to have an anti-venom. Oh, hallelujah. And if you get the anti-venom, you'll play tape shots. That'll come right with it. Oh, my. Notice how God hides his mystery. Now, remember, he allows Satan to know certain things. We know that. Remember, Brother Ram talking about the man Richard Blair. He's from out of Arkansas. And he said that, that Richard Blair was kind of doubting him a little bit and questioning about the discernment and this and that. And then Richard Blair got really, really sick at the point of death, almost ready to die. And the prophet said, the devil knew he was going to need me. Now, you imagine, the devil knew before he ever got sick. Now, does Satan have foreknowledge? No. Is he omnipotent? No. Is he omnipresent? Can he be everywhere at the same time? He cannot, I'm glad to say. Hallelujah. But God will let him know things that are necessary in order to bring about a greater glorification to the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. That's exactly, notice how he does it here. Satan knew, the prophet tells us in the church of the great book, Satan knew that God always wanted to indwell in man. He cues him in on certain things so it will motivate him to oppose God. Notice this again, the prophet tells us, and what shall I do? Jesus called Christ. Now here is something shocking, he says. But death, physical death, is the uniting of Mother Eve and Satan. They united and brought the product of death, and death is a product of uniting Satan and Eve together. You Holy Ghost-filled saints tonight are a product of Satan and Eve, whether or not you like it. Your flesh ain't saved. Your flesh ain't no good. It's rotten. It's sorry. It's lazy. The reason we ain't no closer to God tonight, all of us, is because this gets in our way. It's the biggest enemy you've got. Your biggest enemy ain't your wife. It ain't your husband. It's you. Now, your soul is born again by the breath of God, but you are still living in a hybridized body. Oh, my, you got quiet on me on that one. <laughs> Notice now, the prophet said that Eve had the word, and Satan is against the word. And look, almost 99 and 9900 said it. He was able to quote and admit that it was right. So close, close, the Bible said in the last days, it would deceive the very elected. If it was possible, it's always been that way. 
But that's what brought death, was uniting unbelief with the Word. Just a little bitty, little bitty, teeny bitty, one hundredth of one percent. But it must be one hundred percent all Word. Now, Satan, of course, what did he want to do? He wanted to inject himself into the human race. And there's one thing, uh, many, many things about him that differ between God and, and the devil, and that is that Satan is not a creator. He cannot create an earth, so he had to steal this one. He could not create a womb, so he had to steal one. He could not create a Garden of Eden, so he had to steal one. He can't create you, so he wants to try to steal you. That's right. Because he cannot create. He wants to be God, but he can't fulfill the resume. Let's take a resume from the devil just for a few minutes. He wants to be God. We talked about it last night. But let's let him fill out the resume if he can tell the truth. And let's just see if he can meet the requirements of what it takes to be God. In order to be the mighty Adonai, the mighty Elohim, you had to be before there was anything. When there was no light, you was. You was the eternal. You was before there was any atoms, any molecules, any light meters. Satan, we're going to give you a simple question, just a question, that's all it is. Answer yes or no. Was you before the foundation of the world? Answer please. Well, no, I wasn't. Okay, thank you. Can you create Satan? Well, no, I can't. Thank you. Uh, where would you take all of the people who will follow you when this life is over? Do you have a heaven? No, I don't. Do you love the people that serve you? No, I don't. Do you care for them? No, I don't. Can you be everywhere at the same time? No, I'm afraid I cannot. Can you create life? No, I cannot. Will you encourage me if I live for you when I get down? Will you encourage me or push me down farther? Well, uh, I'll push you down farther. If I give my life to you, will you love me? No, I can't love. I can't love. I hate. I can't love. Get out of here. Y'all agree with me? He can't fill the job of being God. But God did need an enemy. You see, there's things under the law of contrast that must be expressed, which cannot be expressed in perfect, endless eternity. God was a healer, a savior, but it couldn't be expressed in perfection. So God needed an enemy. And he created one that was almost not up to him. So much like him, he wanted to be like God. So much like him that he wanted the church. He wanted all this and other, but he couldn't really do much. Except just lie. Glory. Now, God knew that man would fall. Didn't make him fall. But he knew that he would. God was creating in the Garden of Eden and started with the lower forms of life. And he started creating higher and higher and higher. And God made this being which looked like a man could talk, could reason and think, and had a place for a soul. And God calls him a soul. He 
Satan started looking at the forms of creation of God and saying, what's the closest thing? What's the closest thing? The serpent mirrored the serpent in heaven, Satan. The next thing to God in heaven was the devil. The next thing to man on the earth was the serpent. Now, the serpent didn't have a soul, but it just so happened the devil does. And actually, Cain had two daddies. The serpent was the father of his body, and the devil was the father of his nature. That's right. So what did he do? He stepped inside the serpent, and he sinned in the serpent. So how's God going to heal the snake bite? God must condemn sin in the form of what looked like a serpent hanging on a cross. Jesus. So when we all break the womb, we have a snake in our heart. We slither, we lie, we cheat. How many of y'all needed training and teaching on how to tell your first lie? Any of them? Who was it on? Your brother, your sister, your mama, your daddy? I didn't break that mama. He done it. Honest to God, mama, I never done it. You're standing there lying. Where is it? It's that Word in your heart. You was bit. You started lying. You started taking things, maybe a piece of bubble gum or a piece of candy or something. Oh my goodness, here we go. Started doing things that weren't right. Did you go to sin school? Did you go to lying school? Did you go to cheating school? You didn't need to. You were snake bit. Oh my, you were snake bit. You say, why, friends? It's not good enough to come to a message church. It's not good enough to say, I believe the prophet. You've got to be born again. We're getting people to the message, but are we getting them to Christ? That's what I'm worried about. Are we really getting them to Jesus and getting them born again? Where they really have had another nature placed inside of there. Notice Brother Ram goes on to say, Jesus. Said, as Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The same reason, and a compound reason, wounded for our transgressions, and by stripes were healed. They were murmuring against God and against Moses, and were bitten by serpents. And the serpent took care of a twofold application. The first was to forgive their sin and to heal their sickness. Amen. If you're sick here tonight, let me tell you something. We didn't talk about no prayer or nothing like that. I'm not sure we even need one. If you'll be able to see him hanging here tonight, you'll walk out here without a prayer line healed. But notice the way of the cure strikingly resembles the cause of the sickness. So it wasn't that a serpent bit him and then a rabbit was on the pole. Or a, a snake bit him and a, you know, a microphone or, or a drum or an organ or a, a serpent bit him and an angel was on a pole. A serpent bit him and a serpent must be on the pole. I tell you, friends, this is why when I hear people running down, my Lord Jesus, I don't like it well. 
Oh, it don't sit well with me knowing what he condescended to and what he came down to. Amen. What he humbled himself to become. You're not going to take away my Lord Jesus from me. You ain't going to take away my praise from him neither. You ain't going to take away my adoration to my Lord. He deserves every bit that you and I can give him. Oh, my. So they were built by servants. And God said, hang on on the pole. Let that be the way with you. Remember, it's what the prophet called in Christ the mystery of God revealed, a slowly unfolded mystery. God don't write it out where it's real plain, where the devil would know it. Now, God himself was the first prophesier of this messianic advent, Genesis 3. The serpent will begin to kick against him, and he'll bruise his head, and he'll bruise his heel. He went on and did around eighteen fifteen by Moses and said, Behold, the Lord your God shall raise up a prophet like unto me from among your brethren. So you can see he's going to be a serpent bruiser. But you can also see that he's going to be a prophet. Well, then we could come to Zechariah 6, 12 and we see that he's a branch. We could come to Haggai 3 and see that he's the desire of the nations. We could come to Isaiah 7 and see that he's a mighty God. Amen. We could come to Isaiah 35 and see that he called him again. Behold, your God shall come and the lame shall leap us a heart. The tongue of the dumb shall sing and the eyes of the blind shall come open. And God kept laying out increments of his body, but not easily enough so the devil would be able to know it. Oh, brother, sister, do you think the devil would have crucified him if he would have known what that blood was going to do to you? If he knew that blood was going to set you free, not only from sin, but from yourself. Amen. He would have had band-aids all over the body of Jesus if he knew that blood was going to annihilate your sin. So the instrument of cure must look like the cause of the bite. So God must hide the mystery of redemption in a symbol that is so low. You think it's something that he became a man. What about when he become a snake? Your Lord Jesus didn't just become a man. He became a snake. God forgave. Listen, friend, he don't want to just forgive your sins. He wants to annihilate the cause of you sinning. I love to preach about forgiveness of sins, but I love preaching about getting rid of the cause. And the cause is that snake in our hearts. Isn't it amazing as the uplifted serpent on the pole has no venom? It has no venom. But it represents something. 
I mean, you could go over and, and rub it. It wouldn't feel like a snake skin because it was made of brass. Sin already judged. So you could touch it. You could be able to stick to it. It couldn't answer you. It couldn't strike you. There was no venom coming out of its teeth. But it was the symbolism by which God projected the mystery of redemption to be able to annihilate. Don't you understand? He come that he would annihilate sin. Oh, you said, Brother Donnie, it'll be so wonderful when he does. <laughs> He's already done it if you're born again tonight in your soul. You have already been loosed from the power of death. Let me tell you something, friend. I'm convinced that for many of the saints of God filled with the Holy Ghost, the devil ain't even working against your soul no more. That's why he focuses on your body and your peace and your joy and your spirit because your soul, hallelujah, your soul is sealed in the presence of God and he can't even get you no more. So while the entirety of the human race is perishing, the snake God brings a second Adam on the earth. Holy, virgin born without sin. We'll agree with that. Had no sin at all. None. Lived a perfect life. All of his critics couldn't find no fault in it. But some of the knotheads around this message that do their worst off in pilot. Notice the prophet said when the brass serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, it was for an insight. That God said, whosoever looks upon the serpent believing will be healed of the snake bite. And the snake bite was caused because they had murmured against Moses and God. And God made an atonement for sin. And in there, the sickness was an attribute of the sin. You see it. The snake bite that was killing the people was an attribute of their sin of unbelief. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, it subjected all of their children to being born snake bit. So when we broke our mother's womb, we were bit. And we were born with a little serpent. You're still born lost. Notice this again. He says, They begin to go on their way, murmuring against God and His servant. There came serpents in and bit them, and Moses interceded for them, but God told him to make a serpent out of brass. And for a compound reason, to forgive them of their chiding and to heal them of their sickness and snake bite. Jesus come along later and said, As Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You know Satan had to hear him quote those things. Satan wondered, what does he mean to lift it up? Even the disciples heard him and he said, uh, Lord, did, did Peter rebuked him. Lord, you're not going to die. You, did, did, there ain't no way this is going to happen. And the Satan got to Adam through his wife, and he tried to get to Abraham through Sarah, and she tried to get to Job through his wife. Even so, the Lord Jesus, Satan, trying through his wife to talk him out of the plan of God. He said, Satan, get behind me. He wasn't just going to come to the sins of the government. 
in the eyes of the justice of God, when God would look on that cross, God would see a sinner. He forsook his son's government in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm not making that up. That's what he said in Forsaken All in Phoenix, 1962. How could he be a sinner's son? He couldn't no more than you can. He could not die the death of a sinner and have the fullness of God in him. It left him in the garden. Then all they left him in the garden. Why must die the death of a snake? I'll tell you, friend, this ought to make us so aggravated at the devil. We let the devil rob us of our joy, our peace, our healing. Oh, my, all the things that Jesus purchased for us, and we think we got to put up with it. I'm tired of putting up with it. He did not die in vain. He did not suffer in vain. He did not become a serpent on the pole in vain. prophet said, Lord, you see their hands. May the Holy Ghost, which is now, told them to raise their hand. May he come and set them free. That paralyzing charm of the serpent, the snake bite of sin, the enchantment of this modern world that we're losing. Can you imagine how Brother Brandon was using the symbolism as if though you and I are being enchanted and charmed? I've been in India. I've seen the snake charmers. As a matter of fact, I had one that chased me down the street about a quarter of a mile. Because he seen I was scared of that snake, and once he saw, he brought that dude after me. Brother Bisco finally had to turn around and rebuke him and get him away from me. I didn't mind telling you, I'm scared of snakes. So let me tell you one snake I'm more scared of than I am them out there in the ground. It's that one hiding in people's hearts. We've got them hiding in preachers' hearts and hiding them in deacons' hearts. Oh, no! May the Holy Ghost come in this place tonight and expose every serpent, every serpent inside of our hearts so we can go to the cross, amen, and be healed of our snake eyes. What does Satan do? He enchants us. And we're like the snake in the basket. As the flute player is playing his flute. You know, most snakes can't hear anyway. They're deaf. Right. Most of them can't hear. It's not the music that he's dancing to. It's the moving of the instrument. Oh, dear, I mean, why? why would the enchantment of sin get a hold of us? Because when we come to the earth, we got that thing in our heart. Giving people a book ain't enough. Giving them a tape ain't enough. Baptizing them ain't enough. We got to get that snake out. Oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. But I have to say these things. Brother Bram said the pole represented the cross, and the serpent represented Jesus. The lovely Lord Jesus. He came down, was made sin. 
God himself revealed himself in a body and made like unto sinful flesh to take away sickness and sin from the world. The highest thing in the heavens was God himself. And he became the lowest thing on the earth. A snake. I said, did you know that? He was the brass serpent in the wilderness from the highest article of all eternity to the lowest creature on the earth. From the holiest thing there was to the most unholy thing there was. Again, he says, God made a type of Christ. He had Moses to make a brass serpent, put it on the sick. That type was Christ. The snake. Jesus became the slavery of snake. You understand? Demonology part two, paragraph 199. When I think of how God sent him to hell for his sins. And yet he never done one thing wrong. Where did he get them sins? Transferred. Our sins was transferred over on him. But don't you stop there, my brother. The transfer comes back. My sins was transferred to him. And then God transferred his righteousness back to me. Back to you. Can't you see why Satan don't want you to see the mystery of redemption? It's not just Jesus forgiving your sin. It's not just Jesus trying to save you and let you be a Christian that struggles along through life. He wants to so redeem you. You have no nature of sin. You have no desire to do wrong. None whatsoever. Oh, you'll make mistakes and when you do, you'll quickly repent. Why? There's no snake left in your heart. Hallelujah, Jesus annihilated that from you. So how would you hear this? A lot of folks in the morning will gather all over this valley. They'll gather in Tennessee. They'll gather in North Carolina. They'll gather in church. Try to heal a snake bite. What will some of them do? Write their name on a book. They'll do their religion. Drop their money in the plate. And you'll see them again next next Sunday or Thanksgiving or Christmas or whenever it is they come back. And that's the way they're trying to heal a snake bite. When they go back out in the world, they see the women stripped off the way they are. And they look and lust and long and commit adultery over and over again. They drink. They do all sorts of things, but they still do their religion. Why? They've never looked to the serpent hanging on the pole and let the life out of that come back into them. God made a great type of Christ when he had Moses to make a brass serpent. 
That was the type of Christ this is preaching. And you might wonder, some of you children in the gospel, why would a snake represent Christ? Well, because the snake, the serpent itself, represented sin already judged. And God judged the snake. Once I was able to see this, it changed my life. I don't serve God. I don't preach. I don't live right out of fear. I do it because I love Him. I ain't afraid God's going to throw me to hell. I never come from hell. I ain't going to hell. But what changed my view about God? Oh, I was in Pentecost since I was a boy. Preached the gospel in Pentecost. What little bit I knew of it. I saw cross-eyed straightened out. I saw folks healed with cancer. I saw one miracle after another. My ministry is a Pentecostal preacher. It wasn't miracles that got my attention to this message. A woman come to a meeting one night. I was preaching in Kentucky in a tent. Her brother was laying, her son rather, laying in a hospital in Hazard, Kentucky. Had cancer in his skull. Had no intelligence left. Did he come into his brain? She come in the prayer line. Remember, I wasn't a message preacher. I was a Pentecostal preacher. She come in the prayer line that night and said, I believe if you'll pray, God will move for him. They let him out of the hospital the next day. God restored his soul. God healed his brain. God brought back his intelligence. It wasn't miracles, my friend, that got my attention. I'll tell you what got me about this message. It's the way Brother Brandon preached Jesus. It's I've never heard a man preach him like that. I've never heard a man love him like that. It's not just the doctrines and the theology. It's the way he projected the person of the Lord Jesus. I said, I've got to have that. I've got to love him that way. I've got to feel that way about him. Serpent. Jesus, help me get through this, Lord. Represented Christ on the cross. They would be forgiven of their sins and healed of their snake bites if they looked and lived. God's divine judgment made an innocent person sin. He died in our stead and was sent to hell in my place. I have no fear whatsoever of going to hell. I'll never say it. I don't worry about it. I don't really study that much on it. It ain't one of my concerns. Why? My Lord Jesus went in my place. 
Oh, brother, sister, if he can make this real to you tonight, some of you will lay aside your up and down, your wishy-washy stuff. You're on fire for God. One revival, and then you don't know if you're saved or not. I pray God will reveal this so to you tonight. You'll be able to put your head on that serpent. Oh, God, your foot on that serpent's head and say, Devil, you are a liar. I am eternally secure in Christ Jesus. I have accepted the atonement. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't belong to you no more. The root of evil has left my heart. The serpent is dead. Again, he says, the brass serpent represented Jesus. And he said, Christ in the Old Testament was made in the I enjoy much more preaching about him being the pillar of fire. Because, man, what is the Lord? But none of that actually set me free from sin. It's when he was willing to climb up on that cross pole. And he said, you don't think. Why? When he was on the cross, you was on his back. And not you being a struggling Christian, barely holding on from Sunday to Sunday. I'm talking about an overcoming child of God. Brother Ben said the sin, the serpent represented sin. Excuse me for reading so many quotes that just bothers you. But this is one of them type of subjects that most people just won't take the preacher's word for it that he's preaching the truth. They got to have page, paragraph, date, and verse, and all that sort of thing. The serpent represented sin, and Christ was made sin. Why? To take away sin. You say the serpent meant Jesus? Yes. The serpent was Jesus. But notice the difference. The serpent on the pole. Hangs on the cross. The man which had been bitten looked over at him and said, Lord, will you come in with me? Remember me. You see, even toward the Romans who crucified him, the Jews had hated him. He had no poison. Glory. Glory. He had no poison from his nature. The only sin that was on him was transferred. So he turns and he looks to the man and says, This day you will be with me in paradise. He got healed right there from his snake bite. The man was a criminal. He was guilty of death. What was it? That old snake, oh, glory to God. And there hung the serpent on the pole. And the first one to be the recipient of amazing grace from the serpent was a man that stood there and be merciful to me. Imagine when he went down that day and knocked on the door down to paradise. Abraham and Sarah and David and Jacob and Joseph and Ezekiel. And all of them come and open the door. And Ezekiel said, that's that one I saw. 
Moses said, that's the one I saw up in the pillar of fire. And Abraham, Abraham said, remember Sarah, he's the one you fixed that steak sandwich for. And they turned around and looked at him and said, who's this? He said, oh, I just brought him in. What's his name? Did he walk on water? Did he raise the dead? No. He just believed my atonement on the cross. He just got saved a few minutes ago. <laughs> he just got saved a few minutes ago. But I wanted to bring him with me down to paradise. over here and read you a little something now. Jesus speaking to, of course, about the new birth when he comes in John 3. Watch Brother Random as he picks this up in future home. And he says, now here's a human heart. Remember when he drawed this on the board? Now I'm a long ways from being an artist, but here's a human heart, and here's a human heart. So he draws two human hearts. Now this one over here, he says, has a snake in it. You. It was me. Not just when I was a sinner, but before I got the Holy Ghost. You see, a lot of folks think that snake leave once they accept Christ as their Savior. No, he's still there. This one over here has a dove in it, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, this one has a life, and this one has malice and hatred and envy, and that's what's causing it, this fellow in here. So when you're born, he's on the inside. Anybody cross it? Boy, anybody at work or anybody at church, I'll tell you one thing. I can't just play up here. He's so cocky acting. Look at him. Serpents. That's what causes a lot of church problems. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to go out here and finish my sermon. Oh, man, if we get all the snakes out of people's hearts, the church would be a happier place to live. Come on there, children. They get all kinds of poison going, and they'll bite this one and bite that one. Oh, Lord, here we go. But if we could get everybody in the church filled with the Holy Ghost and get the devil out of the heart and get the dove in the heart, you talking about some meetings. But people don't get their way in church, and they get mad. And they rear back that head. <laughs> and they spit their poison. <laughs> I wiped a lot of it out of my face. <laughs> and then you sing Amazing Grace. <laughs> Amazing Grace. And the preacher's still wiping attitudes out of his mouth. Lord, you're going to keep on. You're going to get me in trouble. Now watch. The prophet places the snake in one heart, the dove in the other. Now he says, well, this one over here, he has love and joy and long-suffering. And what does it? It's this down here. Notice where he puts the source of both of these things. It's either the snake or the dove. Now you can't have both in your heart. Because the snake will do its best to kill the dove. So you got you got to get rid of the snake in the heart, so the dove will come in and roost. That makes you kind, makes you loving, makes you forgiving, makes you pray for your neighbor. 
It makes you do things you wouldn't order to do. Brother Donnie, it runs in my family to have a temper tantrum. But if you're supposed to be born again, you got another family. you got a family tree. And because of that family tree, your brother, the Lord Jesus, hang upon that family tree in order to release to us the dove of the Holy Ghost to take the serpent out of our lives. Some of y'all think the serpent only had one son. You might ought to look in the mirror. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to get down here. Brother Bram said, now you ask when you are forgiven of your sins. The only thing you've done was took this away. Now he's pointing to the attributes of what the snake taught. But the thing that made you do it is still Got a bunch of them hanging around our churches. It's snake scattering time, though, so glory. Boy, you cross it. My goodness. But the thing that made you do it is still there. That's that old root of evil. You repent and you're baptized in the name of Jesus. God forgave you of your sins. But what caused it is still there. Now, what did man do? Let me hurry. Man then, many, many years ago, I don't know exactly when it was, but man figured that if there was some way to be able to produce an anti-venom by which you would take so much of the same poison and be able to inject it into one who had been bitten, then they would be able to reverse the cycle of death. Now, let me read to you this so you'll be able to understand. Anti-venom is a biological product used in the treatment of venomous bites or stings. First, the venom is milked from the snake. Then it's diluted and injected into a horse or a goat. Oh, my Lord. So you milk the snake, and then you dilute it. And then you inject it into a horse or a goat. The subject animal will go an immune response to the venom, producing antibodies against, glory to God, I'm about to have a spell, produce antibodies against the venom's active molecule, which can then be harvested from the animal's blood and used to create a victim. As the animal builds the immunity to the venom, the dosage is increased. So you take copperhead venom, shoot it into the scapegoat. I mean, the goat. Started out trying it easy, as in Matthew 4. And let the crowds get harder and harder and harder. And each child that's coming, you're injecting more venom into the host body. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. And the host body is building up more resistance and more resistance and more resistance. And before long, you can give the host body a whole dose. Glory to God, hallelujah. You can give the host body the whole dose. 
what does it do? The dosage is increased, and the animal creates blood-rich antibodies. What do y'all say we have church here tonight? Antibodies are blood proteins created to fight antigens. These antibodies collect in the serum, which is eventually separated from the dark red cells. After the serum has been purified a little more, it's ready to be injected at a moment's notice. So if you ain't been injected, we're ready right here tonight. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. I can see that day that one John the Baptist baptizing and down out of heaven from the fullness of the Godhead and got inside of that body and injected the Lord Jesus with eternal life. He went straight from there up on the mountain and the devil began to tempt him and test him and try him. And the devil tried him a little more and the injection held. He tried him a little more and the injection held. He tried him a little more and the injection held. What's he going to do? He's going to build up an antibody to absolutely annihilate death. The Bible says he was the scapegoat of the Old Testament. So all this is injected in him. If it seems he hates him, it'll be his death. Comes up. Satan releases him out of hell. Just illustrate to you this one. Kind of flies at a distance around here. Uh, Satan, uh, this is the bit of death uh, chicken with you down there in hell. Just wanted to make sure you still want me on this side. Jesus got there. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think it's pretty much an evident thing. He's no more than a man. Roger, Roger, I just wanted to make sure here before I sink my stinger in him. You know, I, I was just thinking, though, when he was down at the tomb of Lazarus that day, that kind of makes me a little bit uh, nervous. No problem, no problem. He was just a super anointed prophet. He was a prophet on steroids, basically, is what he was. But, uh, you know, this Messiah thing they're talking about, I mean, you know, don't you remember whenever he was outside the city there and he had a headache and he groaned with a headache? Oh, yeah, I remember that. See, he proves he was a man. What's God doing? Hiding the mystery. Uh, all right, Roger, Roger, Roger. Uh, I'll give him a few more minutes there. He looks like he's getting pretty close. His, his lips are swollen so big right now, and his head swollen so large, I don't, honestly don't know how he's breathing. His eyes are swollen nearly out of his head, and they beat him so, uh, so terribly a while ago that the strips of meat are hanging from his back. But if you're sure it's okay, I'm sure it's okay. All right, I'm moving in for another pass. Y'all be moving in closer. By now, Jesus is going 
in and out of consciousness. His body's in so much pain that he can hardly breathe the Romans perfected crucifixion, if you can say it that way. And they'd put them words that their hands would be up like this. They'd have to push the stuff up on the one nail in the foot in order for the cavity to allow them to be able to breathe. So he'd go down, he'd just suffocate. And then he'd push himself up. And then he'd go down. Satan, this is the day of death. I'm moving closer. I'm convinced we're here with him. He can't be no more than that. Roger Dean, go ahead. Let him have his turn. Not before he does. My God. My God. Why? What was it? The serpent judged on the woman. Satan making last approach. What do you think? The head, side, doesn't matter. He's so far gone now. It don't matter. Here I go. Mayday! 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 We made a bad mistake! I can't get the studio on the devil on the world! He tricked us again! Oh, glory to God! You better believe the devil! He absolutely wants you out there on the cross! Hallelujah! 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 The serpent died. Who is it? The first and the last. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Satan, it's me, it's me. Hallelujah! Oh, glory to God! He took your sins 
to hell and unloaded them. Now think of it. You stand before God that day, there won't be one sin against you. But when the devil stands there, he'll answer for all he made you do. Why? You looked and lived. He looked and doubted. How? Anybody in here been healed? Who's anybody? No more desires. That's what the old nature is dead and gone. Oh, are you saying you're perfect? I'm saying I'm perfect in Christ Jesus. The part of me that's in Him is perfect. The other two thirds of me that ain't in Him. Well, we'll talk about that later. That human element still under what? But I'm doing my body one of the greatest favors I could ever do it. If I can get it to shut up and listen to me, I'm leading it to a rapture. If I follow my body, it'll lead me to an outer darkness. If my body will follow my soul, it'll lead it to eternal life. Are you healed tonight? My insurance agent at home just lives up in a cul-de-sac right above hotel where I live. Him and his daughter back in the winter was out walking. They passed by some weeds. He went on through. And she came through a copperhead ridge that had struck her on the ankle. He hollered at her daddy, one in excruciating pain. He had enough wits about him to be able to get her out. Took her, of course, to the ER. They did all the anti-venom stuff and all that. They sent her home. A few days, she started developing a fever. Almost deathly sick. Rushed her to back to the ER again. And what they found out was that old serpent not only had venom in his mouth, but he had some type of disease. And it spread in her body. And I thought, yeah, that's about like the devil. He got me when I was born. He got me again when I was about three and hit me when I was about five and hit me when I was about seven. Just kept on biting. So they not only had to treat her with antivenom, but they had to treat her with a real super strong antibiotic in order to kill this virus which the serpent had left inside of her body. Well, as you can tell by looking, I look one year older than I did last year this time. Why? The serpent's bite, mortality, is still affected. My hair has turned a little more gray. I don't preach as fast as I used to. Now I used to preach 135, and now I'm down to 134 and a half. So I don't preach near as fast as I used to. And we're getting, slow. we're getting slower, and we can't go as much. And what is it? It's because that old death that bit me initially, the mortality, it's still in my body. And don't you stand there and feel sorry for me, because you all look older, too, since last year. Praise God. But friends, soon and very soon, the last strike of the fangs of death. I love the way the prophet said it. Think of it. Missing people. They can't find you no more. And you come up missing on the earth, but you're getting together with the rest of the group. <laughs> you're talking about waylaying the devil. 
the devil laid a big trap for you, a big plan for you. Man, he's been working on it for six months, and he's going to spring it on that day, and you get up, and you're changed, and say, where'd he go? Where'd he go? He, he, he spoiled my whole plan, and you're still here, but you're missing on the earth in another dimension. What is it? You finally got here at 100% of your snake bite. Oh, man, if God's going to leave you here for a little bit, to be able to float around here in another dimension, hallelujah, because the power of God delivered you. I just love it, don't you? I just love it. Stupid devil shows up again and gets whipped again. Sister, Sister Nancy was coming to church and she said, you just watch that devil. He'll show up again tonight. And boy, he had another bad night. Hallelujah! tonight. Hallelujah. You couldn't do it for yourself. So he reached out for you.
first verse together tonight, because all of us was right here. Sometimes I struggle. I've served the Lord for years and even decades, and I still struggle with me. Maybe you come to this meeting and you've brought yourself to this meeting, and you're still struggling with me. All you need is more Him. You don't need more doctrines and more books and more personality of preachers. You just get Him. If you'll just welcome Him to where you're at. He's the answer to every one of your questions. He's the answer to all of your needs tonight. Why don't you just let Him come to you? A little woman came to a well. And Jesus was sitting there. Whether you know it or not, He's came to your spot tonight. And He knows exactly what your condition is. He came to this meeting to meet you. And He's such a personable God. So He can take hundreds of people and talk to them in hundreds of different ways with the same words and the same sentences. And use one voice to speak across. Now some of you just saw Brother Donnie, but if you look long enough, And the reason that he called this meeting was for you. He's for you. And I want you to talk to him this morning. We're going to have a prayer line. We can call you to the altar. He's come to your place for you. How many could truly say, Brother Ron, 
I just need more of Him. Both my hands went up. I just need more of Him. Because I really get disgusted with me. I really get disgusted with me. You can make vows and you can make promises and you can get, and sometimes your flesh will so let you down. Am I the only one in the building today? I get so disappointed with this piece of clay. And you became a snake. And I could have some water. Almighty God, we have felt your presence since the very beginning of this service. Our prophet taught us that whatever we expect, you're the kind of God that has never let us down. There's things of the world and amusements of the world that never live up to their height. But I found something about Jesus. He's never let me down. And Lord Jesus, we've heard this word tonight as a mouthpiece of a sermon. But Father, if we just walk out of this building and it doesn't change our lives, all we've got wasn't a detraction. But Lord, tonight, I want to bring myself before you. Lord, we, we bring ourselves to this great cross. Lord, we know that the answer is you. And Lord, you see where I'm standing. You see our situations tonight. The multitude of hands that's went up all across this audience. We have great need that you come by our way. Lord, forgive us of our, our so many weaknesses and failures, Father. Forgive us of me, Father. Oh, Lord, come by our way today. Lord, you're a God that heals marriages. You're a great God that takes care of job situations. You're a great God that helps with weaknesses. You know how to cure snake bites tonight, Father. Oh, God, I ask you, a God that is rich in mercy. You so loved me, you gave your life that I could have life tonight. Oh, Lord, come and touch every heart here. Lord, how we love you tonight. We thank you for coming by our way. Lord, we thank you, Father. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Say, God came and spoke to me tonight. God came and spoke to me tonight. He came and spoke to me tonight. I want to ask you, how much greater could it get that God would come and speak to you? I want Him to come and speak to you. You can't ask for Him any other way. I don't guess I have to ask you, but Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if I know anything about life, Brother Donnie's already left his bed. So he didn't hear that, but he did. And that's the important one. 
that needed to hear it to start off with. Hallelujah. And yeah, I got some really good news for you tonight. The same doctor is going to be in the house tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock, we're going to have our final service. I sure appreciate you being here. Every one of you being here, thank you for being here. I don't know if all of you are going to be able to be here in the morning. I want you to know that I love you with all my heart. I plan on spending eternity with you. I plan on spending eternity with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I plan on spending eternity with you. One of these days we'll have our final meeting. And somebody will walk down my walkway and look very familiar. And I'll feel something very different happening to me. And I'll take a step their way and they'll take a step that way. And it will never go back to this ever, ever, ever again. Amen. We love you with all of our hearts. And certainly looking forward to in the morning. And uh, we know that God's going to come and bless us again. Just like God, He just knows exactly how to bless us over and over again. Then we will have a fellowship dinner after service. That will be whenever it's over with. We'll be going down to the fellowship hall. We'd like to thank our local church, our body that has hosted this meeting for all the work that they've already done. There's a lot of people that's working behind the scenes and you see them doing this and that. And, and uh, they put a lot of hours into this meeting and I know you appreciate that. And we've got some incredible cooks here. Every church thinks that they've got the best cooks in the message. Well, I'm their advertisement. And I've did my very best to be the best advertisement for this church that I can possibly be. Yeah. So if you stick around tomorrow, not only will you be spiritually fed, but you'll be naturally fed. I, I trust you've had a I trust that you've had a good stay with us a couple of days, and it means we sure love you back. Each and every one of you, we love you with all of our hearts. And our deacons will come and dismiss you row by row this afternoon. We thank you for being here tonight. I know you've been blessed. Jesus' name. For those that don't know, this is my middle son, Andrew. This is what I look like. Long time ago, I was tall. I was slender. <laughs> Amen. Sister Connie said there's some. There's still about thirty bags left. It is for the visitors. We're not handing out tonight, so if you'll just simply grab one and go. How many count one? Yeah, grab one and go. We got all Christians here, Sister Connie. You don't have to worry, worry about that. And and there's probably a several things in that bag, and they'll be nice to share with one another. And yeah, so they'll multiply. Again, we love you with all of our hearts. I certainly appreciate each and every one of you, Brother Mike. I'm sorry I want to get to you tonight, but we certainly love you with all of our hearts. Be back in the morning. We'll get to you. Amen.
you so much for loving us. God bless you this evening, Brother Andrew is going to dismiss us by song this afternoon. Amen. God bless you. Oh, God is good. Oh, all the good.